Welcome to Strong Faith Fit Life, the daily-ish podcast where we explore the intersection of faith and health to help you build strength from the inside out. My name is Deborah, and this is Wendy. Hello. Welcome to the show. This is episode six, The Dangers of the Church Potluck. Dun-dun-dun. Hmm. Dressed in Sunday best. Nice dress, cute folded-down socks, pinching shoes. It was always an exciting time when church was going to have a potluck dinner. I got to take those shoes off and run around. Mm. And it's so much fun enjoying and being joyful for the church potluck. It means kids get to play, hang out with friends. It's a break from cooking midday. Hallelujah. It's a moment to work alongside other church members, hanging out, cleaning, enjoying their company. It's a time of fellowship, a time of rest. The church potluck is as old as the church itself. We see it in Acts 2.46. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. We are supposed to sit, break bread, and share our hearts together. If you're ready to take control of your health and align it with your faith, then head over to Facebook and join the community group at Strong Faith Fit Life. That's Strong Faith Fit Life. Okay, back to the show. We are. Now, it's interesting that because I don't remember going to church potlucks as a regular thing. So honestly, the only potlucks I really remember revolved around birthdays, weddings and funerals. Oh, that's interesting. I remember doing them for like harvest fests and like summertime activities and probably not Christmas. Definitely like a lot in the spring when it was cooler out. We lived in Florida, y'all. It's hot. (laughs) But yeah, in, in Baltimore, we did not, and I'm not saying this is a Baltimore thing. It it may, I know that there are churches that do a fair number of potlucks, but for whatever reason, our church just did not do that. So, um, which I kind of wish we had, because by the time church service was over on Sunday, I was starving. Holy so I would have appreciated, <laughs> I would have appreciated a potluck, but no, we, we did not have that at Fulton Baptist Church. So that actually leads into my next point. And I don't remember potlucks during college. And you guys, if you don't know and haven't been following us, Wendy and I went to college together. So we were up in that Annapolis, Baltimore region. And maybe it's a regional thing. Maybe. I, I do not remember breaking bread together. I do remember like Passover feasts, things like that. Mm-hmm. But those are very specific. They are not a potluck. They have very specific foods that are brought. <clears throat> but later we attended churches and they like to go out to eat. And I definitely enjoyed that. It's very simple to get something I liked, right? You go to you go to a restaurant, you get to pick what you like out of an, out of many options. And it will say wasn't until we PCS'd, which is a permanent change of station or a military move, to the Florida panhandle that something changed. Now, I love logic, and this change seemed extremely logical at first. Instead of having a potluck, which is a lot of work, And instead of trying to pick one single restaurant, also a lot of work, Mm -hmm. our church group would head to the local Golden Corral. It is a huge buffet, huge buffet, right? This is a very logical thing. If you have 10 different families, which is like 40 different people, you can go to one restaurant that has an all-you-can-eat buffet of all the different types of foods. And the organizers, they don't have to find a restaurant that seats all these people and they don't have to worry about dietary needs and preferences. 
Mm-hmm. This is this seems extremely smart. And to be honest with you, I thought it was really wise when I first started. And let's be real. Everyone is happy because there's food for everyone. That includes the children. That includes the adults. P.S. The Golden Corral has an ice cream machine. Um, spoiler. I'm going to spoil it for you. It's a trap. <laughs> hey, it is a trap. It is a trap. Did you ever do a buffet after church? Not a buffet. No. Um, so at the academy, when we left church, we actually did go to an actual restaurant. We hardly ever went to a buffet. And still mm-hmm. to this day, I do not go to a buffet after church. I don't really go to buffets, period, because I don't eat enough <laughs> to justify the price of a buffet. Like it's a nice thought. Like you said, you think it's a smart thing because you're yeah. like, I get all this food to choose from. Um, but honestly, I haven't really eaten at buffets since I was at surface warfare officer school in Rhode Island. And to be honest with you guys, I actually didn't know the golden corral was still open until I saw (laughs) one the other day, Um, because it doesn't seem like a, it doesn't seem like a sustainable business model, just to be honest. I don't know, but I will say this. I call the buffet, the busy church's potluck, because if you have a lot of kids in your church, a job, a busy life, you've got a lot of hype, you know, people that are just constantly moving, whether you're firm folks or business folks, whatever it is, people are busy. They've got sports, all kinds of things. It's easier to fellowship together when someone else can handle the cooking. Mm-hmm. Because a buff, even a potluck, it still takes time and prep work. Like, honestly, it just does. Got to think about it. Got to store it. Got to serve it. You know, food handling is actually something churches do take into consideration. Like if you're bringing something mayonnaise filled or something, you know, that needs to be refrigerated, like churches really work hard to make sure your food is, the food is safe. We do not need to take our whole congregation out because we ate some shady macaroni salad. <laughs> so I will say this, and this is my personal side of it. So after we did a few months, not every weekend, but like, you know, once a month, we'd go with our church group to the Golden Corral. And my husband and I were like, this is not, we're not getting our money's worth. We had indulged the first few times. Both of us complained heartily that we didn't feel good, especially because it was such a contrast to the way we had been eating. We were both athletes in college. You know, Wendy was an athlete in college. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a pretty scripted diet where we went to college. They provided the food. There was a finite amount of food. I think that's important to note that like we were served family style. So it was not an unlimited amount of food. Whatever was on the table was what you got. You split it between 10 people. And if you were unlucky to be sitting in a table with some football players, you may or may not get much. If you were lucky to be sitting at the table with the wrestlers, you had more options. (laughs) But that said... We started to feel really gross eating that way. So what we did was we did what we logically do. We just reduced the amount we consumed. And at some point, $30 a person was a huge waste. A huge waste. Not only eating like that was making us feel yucky, but we both had gained weight. Something yeah. that we hadn't had, hadn't had before. So it doesn't matter if this is your home-cooked potluck or your store-bought potluck. When churches, when church gatherings become opportunities for gluttony and food idolatry, they perpetuate a myth. And that is how we eat and treat our bodies does not matter. Yeah, because, and this is especially true when we think about church and how we may say things like, oh, well, you know, 
we're not addicted to drugs or we're not alcoholics or whatever. And people are very prideful about that, but then they're destroying their bodies in other ways. And so you may be at the repast at someone's funeral, eating the very food, the very types of food that put them into the ground because we're still perpetuating these unhealthy uh, patterns of eating. And so what often happens is someone will say, oh, well, um, obesity runs in my family or type 2 diabetes runs in my family. What really is running in your family is the patterns of eating and the types of food that you're eating. So you don't have to be obese necessarily. You don't have to necessarily succumb to type 2 diabetes. However, because there is a dietary component to them. So what we want you guys to understand is that just because you're at church doesn't mean you're eating healthy stuff. And most likely because you're at church, you're not eating healthy stuff. Yeah. I think that's the study of nutrigenomics, which is that food impacts the way your cellular expression behaves. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's nutrigenomics itself is the study of it. There's no ology in it, but it is actually the study of the effects of food and gene expression. And right. that's what, that's what Wendy's actually talking about here with um, type two diabetes or obesity running in families. What you're talking about is the gene expression based on the food consumption that you have. And so quite frankly, that's, that's like a gauntlet thrown. Mm-hmm. Got smacked upside the face with a set of gloves and said, Hey, we're doing this wrong. Mostly we'll I never, I will never forget this. This is one of the most pivotal moments in my life. And I actually had children at this point. I'd already been at war with like in my own head, not with people, but in my own head wrestling with the potluck and food allergies and how much food is interwoven into our society. Um, because we had food out, al- we have food allergies in our house. Technically, I guess celiac is an autoimmune disease, not an allergy, but we do approach it as an allergy since that's the most common word. And we're sitting in church and our pastor was talking about, it technically he was actually talking about divorce. And well, like I said, I will never forget it. He was talking about, but he was wrapping it up with a lot of other sin and having this, how we should recognize a sin walk, how we should recognize sin in our life and how we should relate to it and how we should make these changes to, um, you know, to, to not walk in a sinful manner. And he took, I'm going to be honest, he took a pretty hard line on sin and he should unequivocally. However, he missed the sin he was committing from the pulpit every single week. And he would end this particular time. He ended his message with a reminder to join the potluck as he patted his very ample belly. And he was a very ample man. Some of that is genetic because of his ethnicity, but a good majority of it was choices. And he said, he reminded us that he, you know, we all know that he loved food and food consumption was woven into every one of his messages. Mm. And to be honest with you, I doubt he even knew how often he was referencing loving food and overindulging. And guys, I'm not kidding when I say we were talking about overindulging. I can eat all the things. That's not true. I can have it as often as I want. That's also not true. But this is kind of the subtle, so we're, it's funny, we have our own subtle messages. I think you'll see that in kind of uh, episode four, if you guys haven't listened to it. We have our own inner critic. We have our own inner voice. Sometimes that voice is mean. Sometimes that voice undercuts us, but we have it. And oddly enough, it actually expresses itself in our external language. And I will say this, rather than being a shining beacon in the darkness of, nas- of the national obesity epidemic, 
the church is struggling with food issues. I'm going to say that again. Rather than being a shining beacon in the darkness of this national obesity epidemic, the church is struggling with food issues. And quite frankly, as the bride of Christ, when he calls us to action, we are not going to be ready and we can no longer afford to ignore the problem. And yes, that's an extremely hard line to say, but I'm sorry. If we do not treat our bodies well, our service towards the Lord is limited because our body is limited. If you can't get out of your chair because your knees hurt, because your frame is struggling, how are you going to walk for the Lord? In the ter- terms of Corey Ten Boom, how are you going to tramp for the Lord? I don't know. I don't know. So what do we do? Guys, this is literally so simple. But because it's simple, we think it doesn't work. In yeah. fact, I think it's funny. One of the things that I've heard from clients is because it's easy, I don't think it's working. Because it's easy and it's not hard and I'm not struggling it's not effective. But guess what? It doesn't have to be hard. It does not have to be hard. So if the potluck is running your life, if food is running your life in activities, quite simply, remind yourself that food is a tool. Your shoes do not make you run. You make them run. The same is true when it comes to your food. Your food does not make you consume it. You are the consumer. And we are called to take care of our bodies as they are temples. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 through 20 says this, do you know, do you not know, excuse me, that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. This is one of the ones that really pushed me to think twice about what I was consuming, um, really understanding that my body is God's and it is a gift. So what does that mean for you? It means when you select your food, select it to fuel your body. You can simply swap out a heavy calorie potluck dish for one that is light fare. Maybe a veggie platter, a fruit salad. How about a low calorie chicken salad made with Greek yogurt instead of mayonnaise? Or maybe just a dish out of quinoa. So it's a high source of grain protein, uh, but also high in fiber. Yeah, because if, I mean, it's a potluck. So bring a dish that you are comfortable consuming. And it's not to say that you're going to push it on people, but at least give them the option. Like there's a, (laughs) there's a guy at the church office who brings in apple fritters every Wednesday, a whole dozen apple fritters every Wednesday. And so there are people who eat half an apple fritter. There are people who are lining up just at the beginning, like when they show up to get the apple fritter, But what would happen if instead of bringing in apple fritters every day, if you brought in fruit salad? You know, what kind of change would that encourage if at the monthly staff meeting when we celebrate birthdays and work anniversaries, instead of having cake or cupcakes, there was a fruit tart or something? I don't know. Something different, something that wasn't so full of sugar and calories when everybody is talking about how they're trying to avoid the sugar and the calories. But it's so hard to avoid it because every month, you know, it's going to be there. Honest to goodness, one simple dish swap from one individual. We say this about kids all the time, guys. More is caught than taught. You start bringing a healthy dish that tastes good and people will talk about it. Not only will they talk about it, but they're going to want your recipe because let me tell you, My quinoa dish that I make is good. And I love it. Yeah. Last fall, I brought in 
pumpkin bread, um, but it was not made with eggs or oil. We had subbed in chia seeds, applesauce, and banana. And it was so moist and so delicious. And everybody was talking about it because it was so moist and delicious. Um, and so nothing it, refined, just like we right. talked about, no refined carbohydrates. Right. I, I love that because, guys, it really is the simple. You can still have something very tasty like Wendy's banana bread or pumpkin bread. You said pumpkin. Pumpkin bread. It had banana in it. Okay. <laughs> I just swapped what was, I was thinking banana bread and pumpkin and I had them inverted. Sorry. But you guys, we can still have something that's incredible, incredibly decadent and yet at the same time, beneficial for our health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Dropping oils, dropping all the refined processed carbohydrates and creating something from whole foods. Yeah. Quite frankly, that just literally does exactly what our bodies need. So you get a small amount of that and you're fueling yourself. This is no longer, it's no longer giving inflammation because sugar and other processed foods can give you inflammation. Now, now you're actually doing antioxidants. You're eating antioxidants, which is anti-inflammation. It's a great way to do it. Eat real foods. And that's the final step here is simply eat what you need. It's okay that there's a buffet full of food and it's okay for you to only eat the dish you brought. Mm -hmm. You need to select an amount of food and it can be wonderful food, just like Wendy's pumpkin bread sounds wonderful. That benefits your goals, your body, and your mind. Because part of this is our head too, our head and our hearts, understanding how food, food behaves and how we relate to it. Are we having a sinful nature towards our food? We might be, especially if we're making it an idol unintentionally. So as you approach your food gatherings, I want you to remember this. 1 Corinthians 10.31 reminds us, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. That includes your food. So get creative. You have absolutely no limits on how you approach this change. And who knows? Maybe you're going to be the change your church so desperately needs to turn from being part of the obesity epidemic to living for Jesus in heart and in body. Hey, if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to follow the show so you can get notified when we drop a new episode. You can also join us in our Facebook group, Strong Faith Fit Life. Hope to see you there. Until next time. Bye. Bye.